0: Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Once again, we're going to do things a little bit differently on this podcast. So last episode, I introduced you guys to the latest she literature book club selection, Why Men Love Bitches. It's by Sherry R. 2000, so it's old. Oh, can, you, can you believe that that means it's old? Oh my God, I feel old. You're probably only 20, so it doesn't feel old to you. Anyway. It is what, if you've read it, you refer to it as the Bible. Like, people who have read this book are evangelical about it because it truly does just change your perception, change your attitude, and most effectively, it'll change the course of your relationship. And I know... There's nothing worse than when you're dating and you just feel control slipping away from you. You feel, and maybe it was never, like maybe you never held the cards, but when you feel it shift, you feel him get a little icy, he's taking longer to reply, you feel crazy, you feel out of control, you feel incredibly gross and unattractive, and then you start acting desperate and just reaching out and clutching and trying to just frantically come up with some sort of way to behave to get things back where they were. And this book will literally tell you how. And like, none of this is an ad. Like, I don't know this lady. I don't know the publishing house. It's just, I am evangelical about this book because I've been dating. You know, I'm in a new town. I'm on Tinder. I'm out. I'm the hot new chickadee in town. And I'm a lot of horsepower, as I'm sure you guys are. And not every guy knows how to drive. Not all drivers are created equal, are they? Well, same with dating. And I have had to really stick to my boundaries, stick to my standards to weed out people who can't drive me, who don't know what they're doing behind the wheel. Here's an example, (sighs) because I'm just going to like tell you guys about my dating life. So the other day I was like talking to this guy on Tinder seemed, you know, normal. And we were trying to make plans to meet up. And he's like, you know, how about I just come over and bring wine over to your house or something like that? And we can have a chill night. We've never met before. We've never FaceTimed. We've never talked on the phone. I've seen four pictures of him. He's seen the same amount of me. And at first, like, the nice girl, which is what this book talks about, the bitch versus the nice girl. And bitch is meant in a very loving, positive way. Like, Rihanna's a bad bitch, you know? Like, not like, like I said, like, Kate Gosselin. No. Bitch is positive. I was like, initially, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, he can come over. Whatever. That's fine. And then I was like, No. First of all, I don't know this kid. I don't know him from Adam. He's not coming in my house. He's not knowing where I live. I am very concerned with security and my privacy. And you just don't know. And you don't need that hanging over your head. It's like sending a nude. Chances are they're not going to put it on the internet. Chances are this kid isn't going to come kill me. But I don't know that. And I don't want that looming in the background of my mind. And it's also an inappropriate fuckboy request. It's just flat out inappropriate to invite yourself to someone else's house, first of all, and have them play host for you. Also, he's like 24. I don't really trust the wine he's going to bring. No, thank you. I'm very persnickety. And so when I was like, okay, of course, no, this is stupid. Then I still defaulted to a nice girl setting, which was, well, what lie am I going to come up with? What like, oh, I, I should say I have workmen in my house. But wait, no, it's going to be like 9 p.m. That's crazy. Um, okay, I could say things are still under construction. Uh, I could say that it's not clean. And I was running through all of these things I could say to look polite, to look like I was politely denying a request that was very impolite of him to make. And I stopped and I checked myself again. And I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And part of the thing that gave me the confidence to do that was I've been reading this book, but honestly, part of it was you guys. I hold myself to such a better standard because of you shalligators because I'm like, I got to walk it like I talk it with these girls because if I don't, that's going to come through. They're going to see like, ugh, she's just, she's she's full of baloney. Like she's letting exes back. She's doing stupid stuff. She's sending nudes. We've seen them on Snapchat. Like, I have to hold myself to a standard for you guys. So you, I know you think I help you, but you guys really do help me in reverse. So instead of coming up with this crazy flowery lie, I said, I would prefer to meet in a bar or someplace public until we get to know each other a little bit. Boom. Let it lie. It wasn't mean. It wasn't bitchy. It wasn't crazy. It was the fairest answer to an unfair request. And you know, actually, this has happened with a few guys. I would like to, th- I, because I'm trying to think of his response, and I realize I have a few to pull from because several guys have suggested this. Oh, come over. Oh, you fucking think you will. Really? You're going to come into my house, or better yet, you invite me over there like a prostitute who's not getting paid so I can go to your grubby house and drink White Claws. Like, give me a break. And his response was like, he was a little prickly. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not some weirdo. Like I'm not some creepy guy, blah, blah, blah. If that's what you think, I just thought it would be better with this COVID stuff to like not be out at the bars. Okay. You know, objection sustained. That does make sense. That's fine. But it felt, it felt defensive. And I remember reading this book called The Gift of Fear. And it was about why women are always trained to deny their natural fear in service of being polite oh i'll hold the door for you coming into this apartment building that you need to have a key for no i'll, I'll hold it for you oh yeah uh, you need a ra- um well it's out of my way and it's dark and it's late but okay that's fine oh you, you don't want to meet a bar because of covid um yeah no i'll i'll come i'll come over you can or you can come to my place that's okay fuck that shit fuck all of that shit are you kidding me fear first now we talk a lot about not making fear-based decisions right And we don't want to, but there's bad fear. There's that snooky, crazy brain fear. And there's the healthy Oprah intuition voice fear, which is like, don't do this. This is not smart for you. This is not healthy for you. And society tells us we have to have this whole PowerPoint presentation of evidence about why. Well, because he said this, and he did that. Nope. It can just be instinct. That's all it can be. And in the book, The Gift of Fear, they talk about how there was something just at play underneath the surface that was driving them to say no I don't want to do that. And there were extreme examples like he ended up kidnapping me and keeping me in a box for five years. Like, that's real. But one thing they said that made so much sense to me is that a guy who is not out to hurt you will not be offended by you saying you want to do something in service of safety. He wouldn't even like, it wouldn't even register. And the example they got was when you get on an elevator and there's only a guy in there. And sometimes... I'm not sometimes all the time we're animals and we look at people and we scan them for threats instantaneously. And we should do that. We should do that. We should cross the street. If there's someone walking towards us and we just don't like the look of them. We don't need evidence. It doesn't need to be politically correct. We need to keep ourselves alive. I am fine with being alive and considered impolite than a dead polite girl. No. And so this elevator example was, you know, a, a normal guy would not even care that you didn't get in the elevator with him or that you didn't hold the door open for him. He'd be like, oh, no, that's fine. I understand. A predator is going to have a problem with it. Oh, guess you don't want to share the elevator with me. What's the matter? You don't want to drive me here? Like, come on. I'm a nice guy. Don't be crazy. What do you think? I'm going to hurt you? Well, Yes, you accidentally arrived at the exact right conclusion. That's exactly what I think. I think you're going to murder me. All I do is sit home and watch murder shows like I know how this shit can go. So I don't think that this kid on Tinder was going to murder me. <laughs> you, But again, like you don't know. No one gets in a car with someone they're like he is probably going to kill me. And if you do, girl, I I just don't even want to say about that. So I stood my ground and he's like, you know, I'm not some weirdo. And I, I made it kind of a joke. I was like, maybe I'm the weirdo. <laughs> maybe I'm the murderer. Maybe I'm giving you a chance to save your own life here. And he's like, haha, that's true. He's like, I don't know. I guess like out here, pe- we just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I was like, well, I'm not from out here, sweetheart. I'm from New York. And that's not what we do. And that's not how we operate. And it felt kind of like gaslighting me. Like, well, you're the crazy one. And I'm going to twist this around on you. And I don't think he meant to do that. Like, I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think he's a dangerous person. I just think he's a person used to getting his way. And that, I've realized, is all a guy needs to be toxic to us. And toxic is like, I know a very extreme word, like, ugh, it's so toxic. But tiny things can be toxic. If you eat too much salt, you get really sick. If you drink too much water, you get really sick. Something that isn't necessarily bad can be bad in certain doses or just bad for your body in particular, right? And same emotionally. Like, I don't think he's a bad person, but like, like I said, he's used to getting his way and he's not used to encountering a girl like me, a girl with a lot of horsepower. I'm like, you can't get behind the wheel of this car. I'm not just going to hand you the keys of this car. You got to prove to me you know how to drive. Let's see that learner's permit. Take it for a test lap. See how we do. Then maybe. And. One thing led to another, and so he's like, okay, yeah, let's go to a bar. I was like, great, sounds good, you know, no fuss, no muss. Well, it rolls around, he's like, you know, I'm really tired, I'm super wiped out, if you want to just come over here, and I was like, this shit again, this shit again. He's like, or we can reschedule, and I was like, let's just reschedule, if you're tired, that's totally fine. Like, you know, and I wasn't salty about it at all, I was like, that's, I totally get that. Sometimes you just don't want to put on pants. But then he comes back. With a text, you know, just want to let you know I'm not looking for something serious. But if you want to have fun, like, okay. And I'm like, first of all, when did I say I wanted something serious with you? I don't want something serious with anyone. I'm the new girl in town. I'm a hot bitch. I am coming into this place like a hurricane. I could have anyone I want to here. Don't flatter yourself. Is there anything more annoying than a guy who assumes you want a relationship it is so deeply offensive and it's such gaslighting because no matter what you come back with you kind of sound insane if you're like i don't want a relationship with you they're like whoa whoa, okay sure you don't and you're like i i'm literally sleeping with 11 other people like what are you talking about you know like it doesn't matter and it's yeah it's so insulting it's like what have i done to imply i want to marry you we've never met I don't really know what you look like. I don't even know the sound of your voice. I could meet you and be like, oh, you're an obvious homosexual who hasn't come out yet. Perfect. You could have dentures. You could clap when the plane lands. You know how I feel about that. It makes me crazy. And I realized he was saying that because my standard of not wanting to go over there and hook up with someone I'd never met before. Again, that's what a prostitute does, which, hey, no shade on a prostitute. Earn your money, girl. But that's the thing. You earn money for it. You don't do it for free. The fact that that was my line in the sand, the lowest possible bar told him that I'm crazy high maintenance. (laughs) I mean, bye. Is that a fucking joke? Like, is that a joke? And what do we say about boundaries? the only people who hate your boundaries are the people who benefit from you having none at all and this guy not because he's hateful or dangerous or awful or anything like that didn't want me to have any sort of boundary this was his way or the highway um i choose the highway like i will always choose the highway over someone else's way i have a sick-ass car i love to drive beep beep motherfucker so I'm glad I stood up for myself and I'm like disappointed. I didn't get to meet him. Like we had a fun text rapport, and I, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. because He's going to be like, you are so insane, but I'm not though. I'm literally just telling it like it happened. That's all. I'm just reporting the news, baby. But yeah, I was like disappointed that I wasn't going to meet him, but it was like petite disappointment, bebe disappointment, not grand disappointment. Whereas had I gone over there permitted and promoted You know, I'm not saying we would have had sex or anything like that, but I would have set up this dynamic where, okay, I'll come to you. Okay, you don't have to take me on a date. You don't even have to take me to a bar and buy me a Coors Light, which is the beer I legitimately prefer. You don't have to do any of that. The bare minimum isn't even a requirement. It is less than the bare minimum. It is free prostitution. Maybe I would have caught some feelings. Maybe I would have been like, oh, wow, he's actually really cute. Oh, my gosh, we have so much fun together. You cannot put that genie back in the bottle. Well, actually, you can. And this is where Why Men Love Bitches comes in, because it really does help you reel it back. But I want us to be at the point where we don't have to put something back in the bottle. We don't have to unring a bell. We don't have to, like, he's going to get the idea. Things are going to change. Maybe they just should start good in the first place. And because I held to my guns, I stuck to my guns, it weeded him out. And it was that pang of disappointment, but it... It, had I let this go on, it would have gotten to this exact same place where this isn't working for me. He's he's dipped out, whatever it was. It just would have gone someplace bad. And then I would have been upset because feelings would be involved. We maybe would have had sex, whatever it was. I let it play out from the beginning. And this is also why I talk about that passive reciprocation loop, you know, where, yeah, a guy will respond to our text message. He'll message us back on tinder if we hit him up first he'll let us come over but that isn't courtship that isn't pursuit and you have to let that play out like even on tinder i get a lot of super likes (laughs) i mean i'm sure you guys do too i'm sure you do and i'll i'll match with them you know but i have never one time never once messaged a guy first on an app ever ever why would i People, and this is, you know, I've talked about this ad nauseum why I hate Bumble, where it's like, it's not a big deal. You just say hi. If it's not a big deal, why can't he do it? Mm. If it's so chill, if it's something he can do with his thumbs on the toilet or at a stoplight, why can't he just do it? Why do we have to be the one shucking and jiving and try and come up with a cool opening line? And Hey, so is that your dog? What's his name? No, he can say that to me. He can say that to me. And so the super like thing, it's like, I see that I've matched with these dudes and they still don't reach out, which like, fine. I don't care because I don't know them. I see a picture. I am like, oh, he's cute. But if I was reaching out to them and then getting further down that rabbit hole, again, the feelings would come into place, the projection, the fantasy. Oh my gosh. Is it the person or the possibilities? I don't care. I just want him. And again, that's not courtship. He's not pursuing me from the jump. Why did he super like me if he's not going to say anything? I don't know. Who cares? My attention span is so short. I'm like a pigeon. Oh, is that something shiny? Off to the next, like a crow. I'm more like a crow than a pigeon because I'm pretty devious. So let that play out. Let that play out. Be that crow. Be an emotional crow (laughs) where there's something shiny. You're moving on. You're not sticking around. Oh, well, why, why, why? It doesn't matter, girl. Keep it moving. So that was a much longer intro than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, normally we answer your guys's questions, but I want to read another chapter from Why Men Love Bitches. And we're going to, we're not going to read the entire first chapter. I'm going to kind of skip around, but there is just so much that I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And this part, oh that I just, I wish we could all just read it in a group together, like just go on the road and, and go on a tour and sit in Yankee Stadium and read this aloud because it's so good. It's so good. So, last episode of the podcast, we read just the introduction and it gave you like just a good primer about what this book is about. But number two, I'm sorry, chapter one is also amazing because I found myself referring back to this and being guilty of so many of these things with these dates that I'm going on or not going on. And truly this, just even this first chapter, helped me create that situation with that dude where I was like, no, we're not doing that. Doesn't work for me. Tough shit. And if and if if it is truly your way or the highway, again, I choose the highway. And th- thank you for letting me know up front. Thanks for showing what you're about. I'm sure that there's girls out there who are totally about that. Do you know how many girls here wear those like sports sandals that are Velcroed? I just... I mean, I make fun of them. I make so much fun of that look, but all those girls are getting laid. So maybe the joke's on me. All right. Here we have chapter one of why men love bitches. Meet the nice girl. Everyone's known a nice girl. She's the woman who will overcompensate, giving everything to a man she barely knows without him having to invest much in the relationship. She's the woman who gives blindly because she wants so much for her attentions to be reciprocated. She's the woman who goes along with what she thinks her man will like or want because she wants to keep the relationship at all costs. Every woman at some point has been there. Certainly, the average fashion magazine gives women ridiculous relationship advice that makes it easy to understand why women are so eager to overcompensate. Play hard to get, then cook him a four-course meal. Bake him Valentine's cookies with exotic sprinkles shipped from Malaysia just like Martha Stewart. Don't forget the little doilies and the organic strawberries you drove two hours to get. Then serve it all to him on the second date wearing a black lace nightie. And what is this a recipe for? Mmm. Disaster. Attraction principle number one. Anything a person chases in life runs away. Especially when it comes to dealing with a man. With one caveat, if you chase him in a black nighty, oh, first he'll have sex with you, then he'll run. Why does a man run from a situation like this one? He runs because the woman's behavior doesn't suggest that she places a high value on herself. The relationship is new and the bond between them is relatively shallow, and yet she has already dealt him her best card. The fact that she's willing to overcompensate to a virtual stranger immediately suggests one of two things. He'll either assume she's desperate, or he'll assume she's willing to sleep with all men right away, or both. What gets lost is his appreciation for her extra effort. Once a man begins to lose respect for a woman because she's willing to subtly devalue herself, he'll lose desire to get closer to her, nighty or no nighty. A dream girl, on the other hand, won't kill herself to impress anyone. This is why the woman he really falls in love with doesn't serve a four-course meal, and you won't see her breaking out the fancy china either. Okay, wait, side note. Maybe this is why they wear those Velcro sandals. Oh my God. It's all adding up. Anyway, back to this. You won't see her breaking out the fancy china either. She'll start out cooking him a one course meal popcorn, no fancy doilies. Tupperware bowl does the trick. She'll simply ask her guests, hey, do you want the bag or the bowl? Six months later, the same woman throws together a meal and puts down a hot plate in front of him. And what does he say to himself? Man, I'm special. It doesn't matter if it's pasta with ragu topped by a meatball you picked up at the deli. He'll say, this is the best pasta I've ever had in my life. Now he feels like a king. And the only difference is the amount of time and effort he had to invest first. He didn't get it all right up front, and he appreciated it more. Attraction principle number two. The women who have men climbing the walls for them aren't always exceptional. Often, they're the ones who don't appear to care that much. This isn't about how to play a game or how to manipulate someone. This is about whether you are genuinely needy or whether you can genuinely show him that you'll be an equal partner in the relationship. It's about whether you're capable of holding your own in a relationship. What would happen if you let him know from day one that you're willing to bend over backwards? He'd think you're desperate. He'd want to see just how far you'd be willing to bend. It's human nature. He'd immediately start to test the waters. The more malleable you become, the more he'd expect you to bend he'll instantly perceive you as a duracell battery like how far will she go how much can i get out of her nice girls need to know what a bitch understands overcompensating or being too eager to please will lessen a man's respect it will give him the kiss of death to his attraction and it will put a time limit on the relationship most men who excuse me most men don't perceive a woman who jumps through hoops as someone who offers a mental challenge Intelligent women make the mistake of assuming that if they hold a higher degree and they can hold their own in a political debate and they've got a good understanding of mid-caps, I have literally no idea what a mid-cap is, they offer a man mental stimulation during dinner. But the mental challenge has little to do with conversation. General, in general, the mental challenge has to do with whether you expect him to be, I'm sorry, in general, the mental challenge has to do with whether you expect to be respected. It has to do with how you relate to him. It has to do with whether he knows you aren't afraid to be without him. The nice girl makes the mistake of being available all the time. I don't want to play games, she says. So she lets him see how afraid she is to be without him. And he soon comes to feel as though he has a 100% hold on her. This is often the point where women begin to complain. He doesn't make enough time for me. He's not as romantic as he used to be. The bitch is more selective about her availability. She's available sometimes. Other times she's not. But she's nice. Nice enough, that is, to consider his preferences for when he'd like to see her so that she can sometimes accommodate them. Translation, no 100% hold. What about a man, excuse me, what about a woman who will drop everything to drive to see a man? Oh, no. The man also knows he has 100% hold on her. After a couple dates, he goes out with the boys, comes in at midnight, calls her, and off she goes to see him. When a woman drives to see a man in the middle of the night, the only thing missing is a neon sign from a roof of her car that says, we deliver. Mm. Attraction principle number three. A woman is perceived as offering a mental challenge to the degree that a man doesn't feel he has a 100% hold on her. Your time with him is telling. A nice girl sits in a chair after a week of knowing a guy, bored out of her mind as he does something that interests him. Watching sports, cleaning his fishing gear, strumming his guitar, working on his car. She's miserable, but she doesn't say a peep. She tries to make the best of it and twiddles her thumbs politely just so she can be in his company. The bitch, on the other hand, makes plenty of peeps. In fact, she's bitching the whole way through. This is not a bad thing because then he knows he can't walk all over her. But remember, a mental challenge has little to do with being verbally combative. It has to do with your actions and how much of yourself you are willing to give up. So we're going to stop there. For this week. Next week, I'm going to read a little bit more from this chapter because it goes into why guys stop calling, why they pull away and why they'll kind of ghost out on you and what this means and what you can do. Because as I realize reading this entire book, I've done so many things wrong throughout my life. But you know what? Like I said, when we read the intro, all of that stops today. It all stops. And in a lot of cases, we can turn the tide in our relationship. So, okay, that's fine. There's no need to shame ourselves, beat ourselves up, go back and forth. Oh, what did I do this for? It looks so stupid. Honey, it's all in the past. And if it's in the present, it's fixable. But I wanted to make one caveat. At the end of this paragraph, I read, it said the bitch makes plenty of peeps. Now, okay, wait. I We've all known girls who like are at a frat party and they just won't shut up. They're just miserable and they're bitchy and they're naggy. That's, that's not the mental challenge dudes want. What the real bitch is going to do is she's going to leave. Like, she's going to be like, okay, well, this is boring. I'm going to go meet up with my friends. Um, I'm free for dinner, but, you know, make a plan or don't. Like, that's what she's going to do. She's not going to permit and she's not going to promote. Because a girl can sit there and bitch about watching a dude clean his guns all day. The fact is she's staying. So it doesn't matter what she's saying. It matters what she's doing. And I, I think this book needed to kind of underscore that a little bit. So that's my little addendum. But I want to know what you guys have to say about this book. Does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel more empowered? Does it make you sort of cringe and realize what you've been doing wrong? Like I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's all changing today. Today is the first day of your bad bitch kingdom. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's all over now. We're all safe. We are safe and we are strong and we're powerful and we know what to do. We know what to do now. So pick up the book. Um, I'm going to put the link down in the description. You can buy it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it probably secondhand someplace. I like a physical copy. I have both. I have a downloaded and a physical copy so I can make a billion notes and also so I can embarrass myself in public reading this book. I'll see you later, shalligators. Bye.